In our scripture today, we catch up with Isaiah again. And maybe some of you remember the scripture about the repairers of the breach and us being repairers of the breach. Today we're in Isaiah 65. And I've mentioned this before, but for those of you who are visiting with us and for those of you who have not heard it, it bears repeating that there's more than one Isaiah. There is more than one writer of Isaiah. Most scholars agree that there are three different writers. Some want to push to four. I agree that they are, I think, that there's three. And what we know is there's an Isaiah who was speaking to the people on the first third of Isaiah saying, woe be it unto you, if you don't get your act together, God is going to smite thee. The middle Isaiah is saying, God will be with us in the midst of all of this now that we have been smote or smitten or I'm not sure which is the right verb, but you get what I'm saying. And then there's this last Isaiah that begins to lean towards a positive and a better future for Israel. This Isaiah begins to paint a picture of what God is striving to do in the midst of the nation of Israel, how God wants them to live into the newness, the new creation that God is about to create for them. Isaiah, as most prophets do, try to capture what they believe is the mind and the heart of God. They try to look around and see what is going on and to understand what history has said and to put those two things together to come to a conclusion about what God is about to do. Now, most of you know prophets as, you know, you're in a church service and somebody says, come here, I want to prophesy to you, and they begin to tell you about your life and changes you need to make and what you shouldn't have been doing and what you should be doing and all of that. I am not denying that there isn't power in it, but some of that is not prophesying, it is prophesying. The type of prophecy I am talking about today are biblical prophets who stand and understand what history has done, what God is about to do, and they can speak out and say, thus saith the Lord. This earlier Isaiah was looking around and seeing that other nations were amassing power and that eventually at some point or another that they were going to be attacked. We have to also understand that we are dealing with people who are writing these texts who view every part of calamity that they experience as a punishment from God. You cannot separate the context from the writer. 
We want to equate what the writer is saying directly with what is happening today, and we can't exactly do that. What we can do is glean from their context what is being spoken into our context. We can glean from their context how they walked with God so that we can understand how to better walk with God today. So this, Isaiah is speaking to a group of people who need to see a new heaven and a new earth. They have endured a lot of suffering. They have endured a lot of calamity. They need a word of hope. They need a word of encouragement. And what does Isaiah say? He says, God's, my God says, for I'm about to create a new heaven and a new earth. No more shall there be in an infant that lives for a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. They were dealing with infant mortality. They were dealing with old people who could not, older people who could not live out their life. And Isaiah stands up and speaks a word and says, I know where we have been, but I know where God is about to take us. And so a new heaven and a new earth must be on the precipice. When we look to these prophets, I told you, I said, it is not about just looking at what was said then. It's about looking at their context, and looking at our context, and understanding how God can move now. I say this because discipleship is just not about saving souls. Discipleship is not just about getting your friends to the church house. Discipleship is not just about and shouldn't be about you getting another folks business to tell them how to live a better Christian life. We've had 11 weeks now of what discipleship is. Flip back. Nowhere did I say interfere in other folks walk with God. Discipleship is much more. Today we look at how discipleship is about us taking our pay, faith public. Many of us are capable of sharing with folks our testimony about how God has saved us. We can share about how God has brought us a mighty long way and we know how to rattle off how God delivered us from this and from that and how God delivered us from that person or this person or that church or this situation, how God gave us a job, how God moved on behalf of our health, how God has done all of these things. We know how to testify to that. But are we these kind of prophets? Are we the kind of prophet that can stand flat-footed in this generation and say, God is about to do a new thing? Are we the kind of prophet that can stand and say, no more shall there be any infants who only live for a few days? What 
that means is are we willing to say that we have seen the vision and the dream of God, that we are connected and committed to that vision and dream of God that says, no more shall there be an infant that lives a few days. If we are committed to that, then we must also be committed to saying every woman needs prenatal care, every woman needs decent health care, every woman needs to be supported in their life. You see, that's going to mess somebody up because you didn't think you were going to be that kind of prophet. You don't understand that it's not just about what God has done for you. Can you prophesy to the goodness of God now? I don't care about your political party. Do you believe God is intent on making sure we are all healthy and wants us to live long and prosperous lives? If your answer is yes, I still don't care about your political party. What word will you speak into your party and into this generation to change things? Are you that kind of prophet? No longer shall an old person, as the scripture says, I would say a senior person live, will not live, will live out their lifetime. You can't tell me it is just and righteous that hearing aids cost damn near $3,000. Are you willing to step up and stand in this generation and say no more? What can we do to right that ship? Are you the kind of prophet that is committed to this dream of God, to creating a new heaven and a new earth. He says, they shall build houses and inhabit them. Are you the kind of prophet that can stand and say, some of these mortgages are not structured in ways that are just? Are you the kind that will stand and say that not everybody is qualified for a loan so they shouldn't get it? I know it sounds bad, but if, it, if you ain't set up and ready for it, you don't need it. And it's unjust to even be given it. Are you that kind of prophet that stands in this generation and has a word to say about the day-to-day -day lives of individuals. The reason that a lot of people are not flocking to church the way they used to flock to church is because there's not a very relevant message. Everything is about how you go get to heaven, how you can kick over a pew, and how you can praise the Lord, but what is God saying to this generation in the midst of all of the chaos and crisis that are going on. They shall build houses and inhabit them. Oh, let me bring it a little closer to home. They should not be building houses in places that are going to cause more flooding. We are not in need of another mega neighborhood. We're in need of a prophet that says, yes, homes to live in, but in the right place and in the right way. They will build vineyards and eat their fruit. <laughs> right now, today, our food pantry bags are due. If you didn't bring them, we'll talk about it, but they're due today. 
but in a nation of so much, in a nation of so much, have we ever asked ourselves, why do we have to pack bags of food to give to people? See, the prophet understands systems. We understand, oh, it's so nice, it's Thanksgiving, and we go put the bag together, and we go do it, and God go love us, and oh, Jesus, I'm so glad all that God has given me. I put, I can, got money, and I can go put it in the bag, and I'm, I'm going to take it to the church. Oh, I'm such a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm so, look at what I'm doing for the Lord this season. It's going to bless somebody that's poor. It's, no, the prophet says, Why? Why does it exist in a nation of plenty? The prophet says, if there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, why do we have to take food to people who are hungry? In a nation of abundance and plenty, why? In a nation where we throw food out at restaurants at the end of the day and folks are still going hungry, why? That prophet looks at the system and the situation and asks why. That prophet doesn't sit around feeling good about how saved they are and how holy they are to go take food to somebody that needs it. That prophet understands when the system is not right. They shall not labor in vain. They shall not labor in vain. Is your paycheck covering all your bills? How many hours do you work per week? Some scholars say that the poverty level should actually be at around $50,000. How many of you make less than that? In a nation of all of this plenty and want, why do we still not understand that livable wages are needed? I have said it several times before. It is not homosexuality that is destroying this generation. It is not HIV, AIDS that's destroying this generation. It is not Americans that are destroying this situation. The, 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 oh, I'm about to say something that's scandalous. The, the Antichrist is already here. And his name is greed. The Antichrist is here and the name is greed. There is no reason to not have people making a livable wage. How can anyone sit up with billions of dollars in the bank and then take away somebody's health care and reduce somebody's wages? If we don't have a problem with greed, what do we have a problem with? Again, I don't care about your politics, but if you believe and are committed to Christ, you have got to admit, Houston, we have a damn problem. 
There is no reason for folks to have the amount of wealth that they have amassed and then to turn around and say, I don't want to pay a higher tax, right, tax, tax rate. If I believed in hell, I could tell you who's going to bust it wide open with gasoline draws on. The Antichrist is here and its name is greed. And it is destroying the very fiber of everything that we love and know. And even right now, we're worried about what we have to give up so that somebody else can have. Oh, but the prophet knows it's time to let that thought go. Do you want to be a disciple of God, a true disciple of Christ, and prophesy truly to a generation that needs it? Do you want to be a disciple of Christ and prophesy to those who are in need and say, God intends better for you? Do you want to be a disciple of Christ and give a bag of food and also say, let us teach you how to be advocates for your rights and for your wealth? That is a disciple that also operates as a prophet. No more, no more shall the children be in calamity. No more shall the children be in calamity. Why do we have to search for the proper block to live on in order for our kids to get a decent education? Why does your zip code determine if you're going to be successful in life? And if we already know that your zip code determines if you're going to be successful, why do we keep electing people who deprive those zip codes of what is needed for them to be successful? And right now, I'm going to step on some toes because it ain't just the Republicans that do that. I can tell you some Democrats that do it too. Why then is it, why then is it that we cannot structure and do things in a way that raise up our children the right way? Also, why do we continue to say, oh, they should just pull themselves up by their bootstraps? I've said it once, I'll say it again. They don't even know what boots are. And furthermore, their parents don't know what boots are. And their parents don't know what boots are because their grandparents don't know what boots are. You have generations of generations of poverty and folks not moving beyond where they are because they don't know. And then we look at them and blame them. But again, the prophet says, why are there so many people in the nation of plenty and, and so much? Why are there so many people suffering in this way? The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The prophet understands you can't keep fighting Ukraine and Russia, and Iraq, and Iran. How long? Rome, the very Rome that crucified Jesus, thought the Pax Romana, they called it, the peace of Rome. You know how they created peace? Through war and control and subjugation of people. The wolf and the lamb shall lay together. 
A prophet, that is a disciple, understands the system once again. <laughs> the prophet that is a disciple understands that, well, if you go go to war and you go give the contract to these major companies and the CEO is going to earn billions of dollars, why not pay those people a livable wage? Let's, let's bring it around the whole system. Why not pay those people a decent live? The prophet understands the wolf and the lamb can only lay together when there is peace. Yes, sir. Jim Wallace says, faith, it should be private. It should be personal, but not private. We all have, or most of us perhaps, have a faith that we share with other people. We encourage other people to come to our church. We have a faith where we, we talk about Jesus and, and all that Jesus means to us. But here's the challenge towards the end of this series. Do you have a faith that stands up for the powerless, that speaks for the weak, and furthermore, has your faith even shown you how weak and powerless you are? Has your faith shown you that it's all about advocating for yourself as well? It has been said, none of us are free until all of us are free. Every week, we pray the Lord's Prayer. And part of it says, on earth as it is in heaven. Isaiah has given us a dream for the youth, for our seniors, for peace, for homes, for prosperity. Isaiah has given us God's dream. And if we are to pray on earth as it is in heaven, then it is a prayer that must move us. On earth as it is in heaven only happens when we move and do something to bring about the kingdom of God. On earth as it is in heaven only happens when we take action and we make motions and we move things forward. On earth as it is in heaven is not a passive prayer. On earth as it is in heaven is not God, we're waiting on you to do it for us. On earth as it is in heaven is not I'm just going to sit back and wait on love and peace and justice to roll in on the wheels of inevitability. When we say on earth as it is in heaven, we must move, we must be moved to compassion, we must be moved to peace, we must be moved to make the world a better place. On earth as it is in heaven is a prophetic prayer, not a prayer of the pathetic. On earth as it is in heaven is prophecy. On earth as it is in heaven is a call for us to proclaim to this generation that some things must change if we want to see the commonwealth of God come about.
What do disciples do? They take their faith public. Amen.